Hey, Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith. Good morning, Generation Church. How are y'all doing today? So I have a question for you. What is the best invitation you have ever received in your life? I want to hear from some of you guys. What's the best invitation you have ever received in your life? Salvation. Salvation. Okay, come on. <laughs> That's everything, right? Yeah, the best invitation. How about any other, any other invitations? Maybe I invited on a date, like your first date that made your heart flutter a little bit. I don't know. Are there some other invitations you got? You had one. To the church. Let's go. Okay. How many of you guys came to church because someone invited you? Raise your hand. Someone invited you here. That's why you came. That's awesome. Anybody else? First date. date. I'm talking about that. (laughs) I have maybe, I was going to say maybe Rebecca would say the best invitation could have been like, will you marry me? Right? Come on. I don't know if you can top the image, like salvation, will you marry me? I mean, Jesus invites us, right, like to, a, to an ultimate wedding feast in heaven, right? So it's like, yeah, we're mirroring it. So I feel like you can't top that. So I feel like with that type of invitation, it sparks you into creativity. Like all of a sudden, when Rebecca sees him, you know, on his knee and she's like, all these things go through her mind, right? Like, oh my gosh, what's my dress going to look like? Oh my gosh, like, how is that going to be when I'm like walking down the aisle and I see his face? Oh my gosh, what about like my first apartment and we're gonna be together? And then what about our babies? What are they gonna look like? What about our grandbabies? Like it just keeps, it keeps going, right? So a good invitation takes you into a whole nother world of possibilities. A good invitation takes you from where you are into a place you could only imagine in your wildest dreams. And so today as we jump into our passage in Matthew 14, Jesus is about to give the invitation of a lifetime to his disciples. But they are not ready, and they are unprepared. So let's go into it. It is Matthew 14. If you have your Bibles, you can open. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We also have it up on the screen. It's Matthew 14, uh, verses 15 through 21. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Everyone say, send them away. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Everyone turn to your neighbor and say, you. (laughs) We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. So let's pause here a moment. Jesus and his disciples are in front of a crowd of 5,000 men with women and children besides. They have one person's lunch. And Jesus looks at them with their little, little bit, and he says, you, give them something to eat. So why in the world does Jesus ask his disciples to do something impossible? I want to hear from some of you guys. Why in the world does Jesus ask the disciples to give them something to eat? He knows what they have. 
He knows that they have this much. Yes, yes. Anyone else? Nothing is impossible with God. He wants to take them from a place where they're living here, what they can touch, what they can taste, what they can see, what they can smell. He wants to transfer them to another reality where he has everything. So this is an incredible invitation that the disciples are getting. And I want to ask you, when was the last time you were at the end of yourself? When is the last time you were at the end of your finances? When's the last time that you were at the end of your wisdom? When is the last time you were at the end of your strength? Is it possible that God wants us to get to the end of ourselves so that he can begin? Is it possible that God wants us to get to the end of ourselves so that he can begin? Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks. He broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate, everyone say all y'all, and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Does anyone here today need a miracle? Anybody? Anybody would like a miracle? Yep, uh (laughs) a couple. How many of us would like to tap into the resources of heaven? So you've come to the right place here today. Because we believe in a good God. We believe in a God who responds to hunger. He responds to our need. He hears your cry and he answers you specifically. He is a God who heals. He is a God who saves. He's a God who multiplies. So in this passage, we are gonna learn three practices from Jesus that will forever change our lives if we use them. Everyone say if. Look at your neighbor, say, are you gonna use them? It's up to you. It's up to you. Okay, so number one, we learn, bring what you have to Jesus. What do you need to bring to Jesus? Jesus says, bring me your lack. Bring me your empty bank account. Bring me your tired body. Bring me your broken heart. Place what you have, the little you have, in my nail-pierced hands and see what I can do. So Daniel and I and our family returned to the United States after serving for five years in Zambia, and we were exhausted. We came back with 10 suitcases, four kids, and a black lab. (laughs) We had no jobs, we had no savings, and we were tired. So we came to Asheville, and we found out that it was very hard to find an apartment. Anybody been looking for an apartment in Asheville, had had to find an apartment? (laughs) It was like a mirror. It literally was like a parting of the seas when we found this place. We were praying for 45 days for an apartment. (laughs) And so when we pray, we have learned to ask God specifically for what we want and what we need. So we prayed for a sunroom because sunshine brings me joy. (laughs) We prayed for a fireplace because coming back from Africa, 
I was already like chilly, you know, I'm like, I need that fireplace. Um, Josiah wanted a Lego room because he'd been sharing a bedroom together with his siblings for five years. He's like, I want my space. I want a Lego room. I was like, all right, let's pray. Um, so, and we also needed a chain link fence for our dog, Charlotte. So we had a specific list, 45 days we prayed. And when my family walked into this place and we looked around, we knew it was from God because we had asked specifically, there's the sunroom, there's the fire. They were running around like, mom, there's the, <laughs> there's the fireplace. They were like, Josiah got a whole basement. He was like, I can do all my leg. He'd be like throwing his Legos like Legos. Like, <laughs> I mean, it was like, right? He had, it was a man cave, you know? He was like 13, it was like his Lego man cave. Um, so we had a good time. So when you pray specifically and you ask God and you say, you know what, God? Like we didn't have much money. We barely had jobs, right? And so we placed what little we had in his hands and we asked him specifically, God, I know you're good. This is what our heart desires. He will answer you specifically. So the first lesson is put what you have, what little you have in God's hands and watch what he will do. So first, we put what we have in God's hands. Second, we learn to look up and give thanks. The disciples looked down and Jesus looked up. The disciples looked down and Jesus looked up. The disciples looked down and saw their lack. Jesus looked up and saw heaven's unlimited resources. He's like, guys, <laughs> my dad <laughs> has got so many fish, so many loaves. Like, he's got this. There's no, there's no sweat, you know? The disciples are like looking down. They're like, what in the world? Like, what is he asking us to do? Jesus looks up. So, one Saturday afternoon in Zambia, our house was robbed. Thieves had used a crowbar to lift up our huge gate, got into our house, they went into our back closet, and they used the same crowbar to take down the safe that we had. They were thinking, oh yeah, this safe is going to have valuables, cash. It had none of those things. <laughs> we did not have valuables or cash. What we had in that safe, though, was very important to us. It was our birth certificates, our passports and most importantly, our work permit. We could not be in the country legally without that work permit. And let me tell you, it was a struggle to get that work permit. We had to have six flights to go to South Africa, living there for seven weeks day by day, waiting for the work permit, waiting for it, you know? And so we had sacrificed, and now this whole, in one, in one day, that whole box of our documents was gone. And we're like, oh Lord, help us. <laughs> and so we know what God says, right? He says, pray for your enemies, right? He said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that night we're like, okay, Jesus, bless those guys that, you know, bless those guys that robbed us. Um, but also God, can you bring back those documents? <laughs> like, Cause like, we don't need like the jewelry, the laptop, like that stuff is replaceable, but like, we just really need that, those documents. So I, I tell you the next day on Sunday, those thieves were watching our movements, right? They could be up on a hill. They could see when we're moving, when our van was gone. So they knew we all went to church that day. And let me tell you, when we got back from church, they had thrown over the gate in a plastic bag. We went over there, and guess what was inside? Every single document. <laughs> so again, when you look up and you praise God and you say, God, I fear you. If you tell me to love my enemy, I'm going to love them. I'm going to pray they encounter you. But I also need this thing. 
God is going to answer you. He's going to provide. He's going to do miracles. He can touch the heart of a thief and tell them, hey, don't mess up that document. Don't set it on fire. Throw it back. <laughs> like, like he can do that. He really do, he does. He does that. So where are you looking? Are you looking down or are you looking up? If you wake up each day and you go to the news or you go to social media or you look at your to-do list, you're going to be filled with anxiety. You're going to be filled with depression. But if you look up and you spend time in God's presence and say, God, you're amazing. You have everything I need. Thank you, God, that what you paid for, you paid the price for me to have everything. And I just thank you. And every day you're soaking on his word. You're meditating on his word. You believe his promises. You're, t- you're like, that promise is for me. That promise is for me. And there's a verse in Philippians 4.19. It says, my God will provide for all my needs. Everybody say all. all. He knows what you need. He knows you need rest. He knows you need recreation. He knows you need friendships. He knows you need money. He knows exactly every detail, all the complexities he wants to meet, and he does meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory. So, look up. Look to heaven's resources and give thanks. And here's the next part. Give thanks for not enough. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything, give thanks. Thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. He doesn't say give thanks for all the good things you want to happen to you. He says give thanks for everything. Jesus had two fish and five loaves. It was not enough to feed 5,000 people plus extra. And yet, Jesus gave thanks. He gave thanks for not enough. He saw this lack as an opportunity to point to the glory and the goodness of God. What if we began to see every single lack in our lives as an opportunity for a miracle? What if we began to see the entire world's lack and needs as an opportunity for God to highlight his glory and his miracles? Would we run from suffering? Would we hide from people who are disabled? Would we hide from people who don't know the Lord? Or would we say, guess what? (laughs) I've got good news. If we actually join Jesus and we partner with him, we wouldn't say, send them away. We would say, bring them here to me. This is a whole new way of doing life. Like, this is so counterintuitive. And I just want to tell you, I have been inspired by missionaries who have put this in as a practice of their life. There was one missionary, when her tire would, would uh, like she would break, you know, have a flat tire, or something would break down, she would start immediately praising God. She put this scripture into practice where she said, I'm going to give thanks in all things. And she trained her entire team to do that. As a child, she had struggled with severe anxiety, and so she read in Scripture, the Bible commands us. It's not a suggestion. The Bible commands us, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, offer your request to God. And then what happens? And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
So every single time something bad would happen to that lady, she'd be like, woo, like, <laughs> let's go. And like her team would come out and be like, okay, we're stranded on the side of the road now. Like, why, why is this lady Joyce? Why is she um, jumping around like she's happy? Like she's happy something went wrong. And they're like, we don't understand. And she'd be like, let me just, let me just, let me teach you. Let me just show you what I've learned. And so she began, she taught her whole team to worship God in the midst of crazy things happening. You know, what we would say, that's a bad thing. Why would you thank God for that? She learned the secret of being content in all situations. And that is like, that is the path I'm going on. So I will tell you, personally, this discipline is one of my life goals. And I am not there yet. I'm so far from there. So recently, our car, our poor little minivan, 260,000 miles, (laughs) it has broken down, I think, eight times in the past few months. And let me tell you, out of all those eight times, I was able to put this into practice exactly one time. (laughs) I I went to the mechanic. I was like, I knew it was going to be something bad. I knew it was going to be expensive. I was like, three. And so he comes out and he's like, I've got good news and bad news. I'm like, oh. (laughs) And he's like, it's going to be $3,000 repair. I'm like, oh. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) So I get in the car to go pick up my girls from school. And I'm like, I put on um, this song by Kirk Franklin. It's called um, We Blessed. Anybody heard that song? We blessed, we blessed, we blessed. (laughs) We've got everything we need. Okay, so I'm picking up the girls, and they're like, Mom, how'd the mechanic go? We got good news? And I was like, oh, no. (laughs) We got bad news. (laughs) But I was like, cranking on the music. I was like, but we're going to praise Jesus. (laughs) I was like, so we all, do you remember that? True story, true story. My girls were with me. I was like, we got everything we need. We blessed, we blessed, we blessed, we blessed. (laughs) And I love that song because blessing has nothing to do with us. In that song, it says, Bless me, bless me, bless me, God, indeed, for death has been defeated. He is our victory. Bless me, bless me, God, not just for me, but so everyone around me can have everything they need. Will you guys take that? Will you use that? Will you let that be your life? That it's not about you anymore. It's not about, it's not about my minivan. I'm not going to live my life based on this roller coaster of like, oh, my minivan's good. Oh, my minivan's bad. My minivan's good. Like, I, I want to get off the roller coaster. I'm like, I, I can't do it. <laughs> it's like Jesus wants you to come up into, he says, you're seated with me in heavenly places. I did not die for you to be on a roller coaster every day. Like, ah, who, ah, it was like, that's exhausting. Who wants to be on that roller coaster? Nobody. He says, I have seated you in heavenly places. I died for you. I died that you can have everything. Every, Jesus says, everything that is mine is yours. Come and feast with me. Come up to the table. Stop crawling around the ground trying to find a crumb. Stop acting like he didn't die for you. He paid the price for you. It breaks his heart when you are crawling on the ground and you're looking for crumbs. He's saying, he's saying, get up, please. He said, I set this table for you. I have a feast for you. I have so much food for you, and it's delicious. By the way, Jesus is a chef. Come on. <laughs> he's not like, oh, he's just a little bitty. He's a little bitty fish, just like a little, just a little tate. He's like, no, 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 come. Sit in my presence. Come feast with me. Have you tasted such, such food? Have you tasted this wine? I have prepared this for you. We are his bride. And he's a good chef. (laughs) 
So scientists actually prove scripture true. I gotta tell you this, this is gonna blow you away. Scientists have discovered that when we are in a state of gratitude, we physiologically are unable to experience anxiety. The act of giving thanks reduces the stress hormone called cortisol and deactivates the part of the brain that produces anxiety. So when you give thanks, you block anxiety. Did anybody need to hear that today? <laughs> you cannot give thanks and experience anxiety at the same time. They're like oil and water. One goes up, the other one goes out. So if you give up thanks, you're blocking anxiety from being in your heart, in your mind, in your body. Is that good news? Yeah. That was really good news. <laughs> I love that. And another way we switch off anxiety when we give thanks is to take a posture of worship. So if you guys have, home, have time this week, look up the most famous TED Talks. Actually, it's number two right now. The most famous TED Talks, number two, with 23 million views, is on how your body language can change your future. So social scientists learn that taking a power pose for just two minutes before a stressful situation, you guys are smiling, you know this one? You know? <laughs> taking a power pose for two minutes before you go to a job interview, before you have a stressful conversation, can change your destiny. Having a power pose for only two minutes changes, it rewires your brain, it reduces cortisol, the stress hormone, increases testosterone, which boosts your assertiveness, your confidence, clears your mind, and sets you up for victory. Who can guess what this power pose is? Someone who has not seen the video. Who can guess? Yes. You haven't seen it? Guess what this power pose is? Oh, you've seen it, okay. It's this. So social scientists have said, hey, 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 you stressed out person. Hey, you guys all stressed out? Before your job interview, um, we want you to just go into a bathroom stall, go into a closet, just two minutes, and just do this. <laughs> and guess what? Guess what? Guess what? This is true. You're going to get the job. People who do the power pose before they go into the job interview, they get hired. They have favor. They have confidence. Things happen for them. Doors open for them because they're just doing this. Yeah. They don't even know Jesus. <laughs> so, what, so this is a power pose to the social scientists. What does this look like to you? So the next time you are feeling the crunch, you are feeling the stress, you are in an argument, you are having a tough time in your life, can I challenge you, can I dare you to find a closet, find a bathroom stall, <laughs> and get in there and do this? And guess what? Here's a double punch to Satan. You begin to praise him. You say, thank you, Jesus. You cut off anxiety. You praise him. You're boosting your comment. You're positioning yourself for what? What? Okay, tell me again. When, you, when, a sports, when an athlete in the sports world wins a race, what's the first thing they do? When they win, when they kick the goal, the winning goal for the World Cup, they're like, what, a, what does this mean? What does this mean? Victory. Say it louder. Victory. Say it, everybody, say it. Victory. What does this mean? Victory. Do you guys want this in your life? Yes. This is what it is, guys. It's so simple. You think it's something like, oh, I need a strategy. I need to read a book. I need to, I need to do a lot of stuff. No, you don't. You do not. You say two words, two words. What are they? Thank 
you. Two words. Thank you. And you just do this. And they said two minutes. If you got more than two minutes, I would encourage you. Do it throughout the day. Every time you're stressed. Do this. <laughs> I'm telling you guys. It's so simple. Jesus doesn't make things hard. He makes, it, he makes it simple. So we can trade worry for worship. We can trade anxiety for victory. All right, we're going to practice this right now. You guys okay with that? All right. I'm going to give you a minute to think about one area of lack in your life. Where do you need a miracle? Is it physical healing? Is it a financial breakthrough? Maybe you're going through a heartache and you're like, I need comfort. I need hope. I need peace. Jesus is good, and he's in the room right now. He is among us. He is walking around with us, and he is ready to touch you. He is ready to to help you in that situation. And so I'm going to give you 30 seconds. We're just going to close our eyes and be before the Lord. And just imagine, like, imagine yourself putting that huge lack, that huge need in his hands. And then we're going to stand up, and we're going to, we're going to get our praise on. Okay. So just think about that for 30 seconds. All right, you guys all ready? You guys stand up. We're going to position ourselves. You guys ready for this? <laughs> we're going to position ourselves for worship, and we're going to say, I'm going to, add a, I'm going to add a third word, Jesus. We're not just going to say thank you to the dark. We're going to say thank you to Jesus, right? Because Jesus is everything. So on the count of three, we're going to shout, thank you, Jesus. And for five seconds, I want you guys to keep your praise going. Thank him for what he's going to do. Thank him for the miracles, how he's going to provide for you. Thank him because he's good. Thank you because he never changes. Okay, you guys ready for this? One, two, three. Thank you, Jesus! God, we worship you. We thank you that you're enough. We thank you that you're Jehovah Jireh. We thank you, God, that you're a provider. Thank you, God, that the miracles are coming. Thank you for the financial breakthrough. Thank you for the comfort. Thank you for the hope. Thank you for the peace. Thank you for the joy. Thank you that you're everything we need, God, that we have joy forever in your presence. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name, we all said? Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. You guys are great. I could do that all day, guys. That's like, that's a happy place, right? (laughs) All right, so, so far, we have learned three different things. We have learned bring the little that you have to Jesus. We've learned look up and give thanks. And now I'm going to ask you, are you willing to be broken and given? Jesus intends your life to bear incredible fruit. Will you live broken and given? John 12, verse 24 says, Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed, broken and given and multiplied. Broken and given and multiplied. You might say broken and given sounds difficult and painful. It sounds like death. And you're right. But that third part, being multiplied, That sounds joyful. It's Easter morning when Jesus swallows up death and he bursts out of the grave with victorious life. So when we participate in Christ's brokenness and givenness, we go from death to life. We burst out of the tomb and we enter into a realm of supernatural abundance. 
so a key to being broken and given is what we learn from Jesus, is staying in the secret place. So if you study this whole passage in Matthew 14, you'll see that Jesus, before and after this miracle, he goes away by himself to be with Jesus. If you try to go out and feed the masses in your own strength, you've got nothing to give. And Jesus knows this. You'll see him before he goes away by himself. He has to be with the Father. He can't do anything. He only does what he sees the Father doing. So he's receiving and then he's giving. As soon as that miracle is done, guess what he does? He sends the disciples away. He goes by himself again to pray. So how many times a day are you connecting with the Father? If you don't go and receive from Jesus, receive his love, sit in his presence, soak in what he has for you, you have nothing to give. You will run dry and you will burn out. Don't do that. (laughs) So just like Jesus, we have to be alone with God and receive daily from him. If we're connected to God, we have an overflow. So how would you say, if you had to look at like a gas tank from empty to full, where are you at today in your times with Jesus? Have you been spending a lot of time with him? A little bit of time? Are you running on fumes? (laughs) Are you at 5%, 25%? You're like 99%, you're like swimming, and you're like, woo! (laughs) Because there's a difference, isn't there? If you're living from fumes and you're living for yourself, you literally collapse on yourself. You have a self-absorbed and a miserable life. The more you spend time with Jesus, it opens you up. All of a sudden, you have capacity. Like, hey, neighbor, how you doing? (laughs) Can I help you watch your kids? You know, it's like you have a, if you are not spending time with Jesus, you don't, you can't even meet your own needs. You're like, I'm so dry. But when you spend time with Jesus, it's like you're saturated and you're open. You're able to go out. He wants you to plant seeds in other people's lives. So you, all of a sudden, you don't have to worry about your own needs. You're like, hey, hey, what's up? <laughs> How can I bless you today? How can I bless you today? I want to bless, like, you just have seed. You're like throwing seeds everywhere. You're like, I want to bless everyone today. Um, because again, you're coming from an overflow, right? You're not worried about like, oh, where's my next? I don't have that money to pay the bills. You're not worried about that. You're living from abundance. Your eyes are looking up, right? right? So be broken and given. All right, so these three things, these three practices that will change your life. Number one, we put what little we have in Jesus' hands. We look up and we give thanks. And then we are broken, we are given. So now, guys, we are ready to step into the supernatural. Are you ready? The last part of this passage is take risks and step out on the water. So just hours after this miracle, out of all the disciples, Peter shows that he is catching on. He's like, if Jesus did it, then I can do it. <laughs> right? Okay, so check this out. We're going to read Matthew 14, 22 through 29. This is right after that miracle of feeding the 5,000. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, 
Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Can you see like the excitement? (laughs) Come, Jesus says. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, if Jesus did it, then I can do it. Turn to your other neighbor and say, if Jesus did it, then you can do it. So some of you have incredible dreams for Jesus, and fear has been holding you back. Maybe you have a dream of starting a business, or a Bible study with your neighbors, or your coworkers, or in your high school. Maybe you dream of going to the nations, or adopting orphans, or fostering children. Like, whatever those dreams are, what would you do for Jesus if you knew you could not fail? Let's pray. Father, would you help us get out of the boat like Peter and put our feet into the unknown? We want to cross, Lord, from the the physical, what we can see and taste and touch. We want to cross into the supernatural. We want to partner with you, Jesus. We want to walk on the water. Would you call us to come to you today? Father, I just pray that you would stir hearts right now, Jesus, that you are able. You have called us into a whole nother way of thinking, a whole nother way of relating, a whole nother way of worshiping and trusting you. And God, we just ask that you would set our hearts on fire today, God, that we would get out of the boat, that we would do anything for you because you are worthy. We just thank you for what you're doing here today. Have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name, we all said. All right, um, so as we close today, I have a challenge for you. If you are truly ready to take a step of faith, um, oh, worship team, come on up, let me call you. If you are truly ready to take a step of faith and get out of the boat and put your feet into something that you're like, I don't know, God, like, it's water. Peter had to make that decision, right? Is this water really going to hold me up? Like, how is this going to work out? Am I going to drown? Like, what's going to happen? He had to ask that question. But if you're ready today to take a step of faith and do something that, take a step of faith towards the dream that God has put on your heart, I challenge you today to take off your shoes as an act of worship and put them in the box. So all these shoes today are going to go to male and female prisoners at ABCCM Ministries um, with my friend, Pastor Vanessa, and they will be a blessing to the prisoners there. But for us, I just ask you, whatever God is putting on your heart today, that you would do this as an act of worship. And that you would say, I'm going to feel uncomfortable. I'm going to feel different. (laughs) But I want to take a step of faith, and I'm going to say to Jesus, yes. I say yes to the supernatural life and to everything that you are calling me to do. So come as the worship team plays, um, and feel free. And no pressure, guys, if you want to. (laughs) Feel free to come and place your shoes as an act of worship. Amen.